Welcome to this week's edition of the State of Recruiting, your weekly Horns 24-7 recruiting podcast. I'm Mike Roach. I'm joined, as always, by Nick Harris. Before we get started, we do want to remind you guys to check us out on uh, anywhere you get your podcasts, uh, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, and especially iTunes. On iTunes, if you could give us a, a subscribe, rate, and review, a five-star review, uh, is always appreciated. If you drop a question in there, a five-star review always gets answered during our mailbag segment. We also want to point you to the great podcasts on our networks, including the flagship with Taylor uh, Taylor Estes and Chip Brown, and the uh, Longhorn Blitz with Jeff Howe and Rod Babers. Uh, so before we get into it, Nick, uh, rough week. I know your heat loss, but on the bright side, your Lakers won. <laughs> You're funny. Hey, it wasn't so bad. Uh, <laughs> the, the way I like to explain it is, you know, if the Heat had to lose, at least it was my second favorite player, LeBron. So, you know, if we have to lose, that's a good way to lose, in my opinion. Yeah, so <laughs> works out both ways for you, you know. <laughs> that that doesn't make me angry at all. Um <laughs> Let's get let's get into it, man. It's been a uh, it's been a rough couple weeks for the Texas Longhorns, and um, usually, you know, we've got a little bit of recruiting news in this segment. And I can tell you right now that outside of a couple of small stories we're tracking, there's really nothing going on, and recruiting is stuck in in absolute neutral at this point. And that's uh, because of the results on the field. That's because of where everything is. And it is 100% not because the team is not standing together for the eyes of Texas. And I'm going to rant a little bit on this, Nick. I I want you to get whatever off your chest as well if you feel that way. But um, with respect to what Chip Brown wrote in this morning's Insider, and I think he did a great job uh, reporting on a very complicated issue, and I I think we made it free. So if if anyone out there wants to read it and is not a member of Horns 24-7, you can go read it for free. It is uh, this week's edition of The Insider. Uh, With regards to what Chris Del Conte gave direction to the other athletic programs at Texas for the eyes, uh, you know, considering all the protests this year about the song, I think that Chip did a great job reporting on that story, and I don't want to minimize his reporting because it has become a story. The fact that it has become a story, I think, is ridiculous because this team is is not a poor team because they don't stand together to sing the eyes of Texas after the game. This team is a poor team because they commit untimely penalties, they commit untimely turnovers, and the same problems that have plagued this program um, for the last decade and for sure under Tom Herman continue to happen. And I think in my opinion, to to divert attention and to say this is on Chris Del Conte for not figuring out how to get the team together, I think that's a red herring. I think that that you've taken um, obviously something that is an issue and you've made it the issue. And um, so, again, I think that it became the story this week. uh, But for for no reason, I, I, you know, I think that there are a lot of things wrong with this football team, um, and, and that trickles down to recruiting, and that's uh, the reason that recruiting is where it is right now. And that's absolutely zero juice. I mean, we, we've talked about in the past, Texas was sit, getting into a good spot with L.J. Johnson. They were probably sitting in the lead with Terrence Cooks. Um, you know, when, when recruiting gets switched into neutral like this and basically stops moving forward, it's one of the most damaging things that can happen because Everybody else moves forward. Last week, Texas A&M beat a top-five opponent, and they did it while running the ball with authority. If you don't think L.J. Johnson took notice of that and took notice of what was happening at the Cotton Bowl, I don't know what to tell you. None of these things matter to 16-, 17-, 18-year-old kids. 
if I asked any of them what their thoughts on the situation with the eyes of Texas were, none of them would rank that as a, a big thing in their mind. Um, and so I want you guys to understand that it is in sometimes it is in a reporter's best interest to protect their sources. And to do that, they'll, they'll just try to divert attention away. Um, and I think that that's what's kind of happening in this case. I think that uh, we've made it a mountain out of a molehill when it comes to, to the eyes of Texas. And uh, I don't think that that's a reason that this team is failing on the field. I think that's very well put. And I know we rarely get into team topics on this podcast or just us two in general. We just kind of stay away from those things because that's not our level of expert expertise. But when it comes to this issue, I think um, I think we both have opinions that kind of matter, especially since it's affecting things on the recruiting trail. Um, but again, yeah, I, I agree with you when I say, you know, the song is not a huge deal uh, when we're talking about the lack of success with this team. This team is 2-2, two and two, and it has nothing to do with what happens after the game or before the game. It, ha- it has to do with what happens, you know, during the game. Um, and obviously practice has a, a lot to do with that, so I'm including that as well. But um, it, this team is not prepared whenever they take the field. Um, like you said, they commit dumb penalties. Uh, they just make dumb mistakes. Um, I was talking with a friend last week just uh just for example, the Keontae Ingram uh, fumble against TCU on the goal line, first and goal. Why are you reaching for? Why are you reaching for? Uh, reach for the goal line. You know, you, you have three more tries to punch it in. You know, you should be taught if it's first and goal. Hey, just try to get as as close as you can. You know, if you can punch it in, punch it in. But do not reach the ball over. You just don't do that. And uh, you know that that trickles down to coaching. Um, and so I say that to say, you know, the picture of uh, Sam standing up for the for the eyes by himself after the game, um, that becoming the big issue out of what has happened in the last you know five to six weeks with this team is pretty mind boggling to me as well. I just I don't quite understand it. Uh, I think it's all confusing why we're making that the biggest issue. Um, I, I think there's a lot bigger issues going on when it comes down to uh, you know coaching and you know what's going on. We, our friend Guy Frazier was at the game. We talked to him about like what happened with the eyes. And it wasn't a thing where like the players were like, screw this, I'm not standing for the eyes. It was literally, um, there's no bands there. And this has been reported, I think, widely by every major site as well. But there's no bands there. Um, and so it's incumbent upon the uh, the staff at the, the Cotton Bowl or whatever stadium to play the song audibly over the speakers. Um, they were going to do that, but they played it after the hat presentation and after Oklahoma. So I think at that point, like most players were ready to leave the field after a loss. This is not something that I don't, I, you know, that I think was intentionally disrespectful. I think that it's hit a perfect storm once again this year. Um, and that goes back to the team. I Look, I do think that Having a new offensive coordinator and a new defensive coordinator and not getting a spring uh, to put things in is is a tough hurdle. However, Texas is number one in the country in scoring. So, um, you know, it seems like they're figuring it out on offense. And the problems aren't coming schematically. It's not that they're not able to execute schemes. It's that they're not able to execute basic things. So when I look at that, and I think the the reason people are so upset is because these are the same issues year after year. Uh, pandemic or not, new staff or not, everybody has the same lot here. Everybody got um, the shortened year with no strength and conditioning period and barely any fall camp. Um, you know, with all that considered, these same mistakes that have been plaguing this team for years 
rearing their head again. That's why I think everybody is so upset. Um, the thing with the eyes, look, look we all, we've all got our opinions on it. I think you and I talked about it over the summer, Nick, about our opinions on, on the players pushing for justice. And um, they are what they are. I'm not going to change anybody's mind with my thoughts, and, and people probably aren't going to change my mind with their thoughts. But if you're looking at this and, and blaming everything on this, I just think it's a it's a misguided uh, misplace of blame. Um, and all that said, like I said, I'm, I'm not here to the to discredit the reporting. I think Chip did a great job this week reporting on it um, because that became the story. And when it becomes a story, you have to report on it. Um, and so I, I think that at this point in time, you know, the, this this team's got to do some soul searching. Obviously, we don't talk a lot of team here, but guess what? When um, the problems of the team infiltrate recruiting, and we've got almost nothing to talk about in recruiting. Uh, this is what we've got to talk about. Nick, anything else you wanted to add uh, on this subject before we move on? No, um, just a couple of more things. Uh, a, I just wanted to emphasize the point. Chip Brown did a fantastic job on the insider. And then B, um, you know, if if someone wants to be out for the eyes or not be out for the eyes, I really don't think it matters. You know, if they want to do that, cool. In my opinion, that's what it is. You know, if they want to stand for the song, so be it. If they don't, so be it. I think 10, 15 years from now, there will always be kids on every team that will stand out for for the song. And uh, I think we had a conversation with Guy as well just about how, you know, maybe it's like a um, the eyes is sort of like an ode to the fans. You know, that's the moment that the fans and the players can interact and have that connection. And I think that will always be there no matter, you know, what the team is, who who's on the team. So, you know, I don't think it's up to the fans to try to, you know, make an issue out of it. That That's my last point on it. Yeah, and I understand it is. Look, there, the eyes does have meaning to alums of the school and uh, and things like that, and I understand that, and I and I'm sensitive to that. But you have to understand, it doesn't have the same meaning for everybody. And I think debating the issue on should they be there, should they sing the song, whatever, that's a whole separate issue. To me, the only issue we're really trying to discuss right now is is this the the problem with the team? Is this the root cause for the failures the team's having on the field? And I just I just don't believe it is. You know, I think that it's again just poor preparation and. Uh, and a lot of mistakes um, on, on the team's fault. So uh, with that, Nick, let's go ahead and move on uh, to our high school segment. Um, and uh, we'll start with uh, last week. Where did you uh, – Thursday night you were at uh, South Lake and Rockwall, uh, a game I very much wanted to be at but couldn't make it due to a reschedule. So tell us how everything went at uh, Wilk. Man, it was easily the best game that I have saw this year. Um, South Lake Carroll and Rockwall at, uh, in Rockwall on a Thursday night, easily the biggest Thursday night game uh, in the state last week and you know Rockwell they've had a lot of question marks coming in they were replacing um, head coach Rodney Webb who had been there for I believe six or seven seasons um, they lost Jackson Smith and Jigba um, you know the five-star wide receiver that went to Ohio State so um, they had a lot of questions to answer on offense and I, they definitely answered them for me personally. Braden Locke looked fantastic. Uh, he willed them back in the second half and led them on a 37-7 to run to win the game. Um, it was pretty pretty phenomenal for uh, for that junior quarterback. But on the other side, uh, Quinn Ewers, I think he played really well in the first half. And I, I think we have a, a question in, in the mailbag about you know how Quinn has been performing in the first few weeks. So I'll save a, a bit of this for that. But you know I think he looked good in the first half. In the second half, you know there were some things I think he could have worked on. But overall, a fantastic game. And um, I think Rockwell is right back where they were last year. And I think that they can really you know make some noise now uh, in six A despite everything that they've lost. 
Um, and I, on Friday, you uh, it escapes my mind which game you were at. Uh, Tyler Legacy in Longview. I went out to went out to Lobo Stadium to check out Jamarian Miller, uh, who plays for Tyler Legacy. Um, Longview had a they just had their way on defense all night, um, and they didn't allow much to happen with the Tyler Legacy offense. So I didn't really get to see Jamarian stretch it out. Um, but he has a uh, another pair in that another running back in that backfield with him, Bryce and Donnell. Uh, both of them are 2022 running backs. I think they're both phenomenal. Um, and whenever they play, you know, a, a, an average defense that the you know the offensive line can get through to, um, that I think it's easy for you know one of them to have a big game. And we've definitely seen that with Jamarian here in the first few weeks. But you know, I like his size, and you know, talking to him after the game as well, he he likes Texas. Uh, obviously, his brother was a signee to Texas at one point. Um, so he's very familiar with the program. It's a dream offer for him. So I think this is definitely a kid we need to keep an eye on moving forward in the in the 2022 class, regardless of who is you know of what's happening in Austin. <laughs> um, I on Thursday I was supposed to be with you at, at Wilk. Um, as I detailed last week, something's always kept me from seeing a game there. Um, and uh, I went out to Laporte, uh, a fun trip, a quick trip. It was a turnaround. Uh, I did it in a day and back. I got home about 3 a.m. Um, but a, a lot of fun um, to see Port Arthur Memorial in the port uh, just a day before Albert Reed just chose A&M. Um, I had a lot of thoughts from this game. I, I, I was really interested to see Reed just because, as you know, Nick, I was really kind of intrigued with what was on film for him and, you know, what he potentially was. And, uh, the you know, the first vibe I got there was that I think he's a he he has some incredible athleticism. Um, he probably needs to lose some weight. I think he's he's a little overweight right now, but I question if he has the demeanor to play defense. Um, it seemed like he for sure played a lot harder on offense than he did on defense, and you know that was really the the biggest takeaway I had coming out of that game. Um, I was also able to see Jalen Gilbo, the twenty two Texas commit, who. Uh, wasn't really tested, and the one time he was, you know, knocked the ball down and, you know, made a couple tackles on the edge, but really didn't come his way. The star of the show was Jordan Thomas, one of my favorites. Um, he had, uh, I think I tracked the game, he had eight tackles, one and a half sacks, uh, forced fumble, and a blocked punt. So he was just kind of all over the field. He's a kid who doesn't have much in the way of technique or, you know, it's not really how you would draw it up uh, for a kid to play, but his motor is sensational. And I think when you get, uh, that type of motor with his, you know, size and athleticism and everything. That's a that's a really intriguing package. It's a really exciting package for a coach because you know you can coach that guy. If, if I could just give him the technique and the motor stays running, you know, we're gonna have we're gonna have a good player on our hands. So uh, it was really cool to see him, and I, I was just have so much fun interacting with Jordan Thomas. He's gonna go down as one of my favorites for sure. Uh, Friday night, I stayed a little closer to home. Went to see Arlington Lamar in Louisville uh, to see Armani Winfield. I thought Armani Winfield was uh, really quiet in the first half. They kind of rolled a lot of extra coverage over to his side. Um, and then in the second half, he got loose and, and burned uh, Lamar deep for a touchdown. You know, he's just such a polished receiver, you know, so good at, at the little things. I think that, that that really stood out. And then Lamar's got a couple guys I like. Cam Brady, the old Miss commit, looked really good at receiver. Harold West, a North Texas commit at safety, I think is an absolute steal for North Texas at this point in time. If nobody else comes along and recruits that kid, I think that North Texas is going to get away with one. And then uh, and another guy I saw at Lamar that we'll tell you about a little later. Um, Nick, 
Before we jump into picks, uh, where are you headed next uh, this week? Well, I do want to get to my my two Saturday games that I had last week. Oh, I forgot. Yeah, you were. <laughs> I forgot you had. Uh, you had four games. Yeah. So yeah, tell us about Saturday. Uh, Saturday went out to um, Globe Life Park for IMG and Duncanville. Um, you know, I was kind of worried going in to see, you know, what the crowd would be like. I thought it would be, you know, pretty affected by not only Texas OU, but the pandemic, of course, as well. But it was it was a pretty sizable crowd and they were able to, you know, space them out pretty, uh, pretty nicely. So it, it was a pretty good crowd in there, especially when Duncanville took the lead uh, in the first quarter. Uh, it got pretty loud in there. Um, but after that moment, it, it was all IMG. Uh, there's just so much talent and size uh, that that program has, you know, and that's no secret to anybody. Um, they have haven't lost to a public school since 2013, I believe, and uh, I, I think I think maybe if you set this IMG team up with Duncanville's team last year, fully healthy, um, I think you see a much different result. I think you see Duncanville in that game for sure. Um, but the star of the show uh, for Duncanville was Roderick Daniels, the 2021 um, Baylor commit at wide receiver. He had two touchdowns. He was running all over the place, and he was making plays when they when they needed it. But obviously, they couldn't make enough. Um, on defense for IMG, Kamari Wilson, the 2022 five-star safety that you know we've been keeping an eye on. He really likes Texas. It was his first ever trip to the Lone Star State, and uh, he said he liked it. He liked the weather somehow, even though it was over 90 degrees. So that's a true Florida boy right there. Um, talked to him after the game, and you know, a great personality. I, I think this is going to be a kid that a lot of people are going to like moving forward. Uh, and then Saturday night. Um, Went out to Prosper to see a new program, Prosper Rock Hill. It's their first year as a varsity program. They were actually playing their first ever home game uh, against Frisco Liberty. Um, Frisco Liberty's got the four-star 2022 wide receiver, Evan Stewart. Um, and Evan had, uh, I believe, one touchdown, and he had one pretty acrobatic catch down the middle of the field during the game. Um, it, he looked really good. He's just He's faster than anybody on the field every time he touches the field. Um, and he also has a pretty good quarterback uh, throwing him the ball this year. 2023 quarterback Keldrick Luster. Um, I actually got a video of him trucking uh, a linebacker on the way to the end zone, and it made Sports Center top 10 that night. So um, uh, he definitely got a good quarterback over at Frisco Liberty, and I'm excited to see what they can do this year for sure. All right. Yeah, Nick was a hardworking guy, still rolling on a Saturday while I was deep into the booze on Saturday <laughs> evening. So, um Nick, where are you headed this week? Uh, this week, tonight, uh, as we're recording on Thursday, I'll be heading out to the Wilk again to see uh, McKinney North and Rockwall Heath. It was just kind of a, um, you know, kind of a bad slate of games for Thursday night, and I wasn't trying to drive because I'm driving tomorrow. So, uh, heading out to see JJ Henry again, you know, just try to get a, you know, full evaluation on him. As we like to say, we like to get as many data points as we can. Uh, we like to see when kids are, you know, at their best and at their worst, you know, just to kind of, you know, get a full uh, picture of who the kid is. So, you know, I guess that's what I'm trying to see here with J.J. Henry and also Rockwall Heath. That's my alma mater. So, you know, going out and supporting my Heath boys. And there's actually quite a quite a few kids on that team that I'm really intrigued with. Um, Zach Evans at running back. Uh, he's picked up quite a bit of attention in, in, in Big 12, at least. He's got an offer from Kansas. I think TCU has been talking to him. And then Josh Hoover at quarterback. Uh, I think he was second in the area in passing yards last year. And they've had a couple of wide receivers transfer in from the Garland area. So uh, one of them actually landed a, a Utah offer this week. So uh, we could see that Rockwell Heath offense, you know, picking up and being a pretty, uh, pretty solid offense moving forward. And then uh, tomorrow I'm heading down to Georgetown, uh, one of my favorite programs to cover, one of my favorite stadiums to go to just because they feed you so well. Uh, last year I went and they had uh, like a bratwurst set up. It was German night and they had like their culinary uh, students 
um, uh, making us like German food. I didn't know what I was eating, but it was fantastic. Bratwurst was the only thing on my plate that I knew that I had had before. Um, but Manor and Georgetown, seeing a couple of uh, uh, Baylor commits um, and uh, seeing those guys in action. All right. Um, and it, for those of you who don't know, Nick's also doing some work with the Baylor site. So from time to time, he'll be out seeing Baylor commits as well. So uh, if if you're sitting here going, well, I don't care if Nick sees Baylor commits, <laughs> that's why. Um, I there, So tonight I have, Nick, I've done the impossible. I've defied the odds. I've cleared the hurdles. I have been told that I will be led into Williams Stadium in Garland ISD, uh, a place where they do not allow recruiting media. I ran an end around on their administration, and as of now, it's worked. So um, even before the pandemic, we'll this was an issue. Like to everyone, yeah, this is a uh, big moment in recruiting history. <laughs> my entire career, um, we have never been allowed inside a Garland ISD stadium, and you'll often see me rail about it on Twitter. And I was ready to write a long Twitter diatribe again, but the uh, process was somewhat painless and we'll see. I mean, I could show up tonight. It's an hour plus drive for me, drive across town, show up and get denied at the gate. Uh, but regardless, uh, I'm in. So hey, if that happens, uh, just we'll, come 10 minutes down I-30 and we, we'll get you in at the Wilk. How about that? If you can make that happen, I'll, I'll, I'll make it happen. <laughs> or I might show up at, uh, I don't know, I might go over to Guy's game with a with, uh, with, uh, with sock, who knows? Um, but I will be seeing uh, Garland High versus Naaman Forrest. Garland High, of course, home to Chase Biddle, the 2022 safety, one of my favorites, and uh, Jordan Hudson, the Oklahoma commit, um, also one of my favorites. So uh, ready to see those guys up close and, and get a, an in-person evaluation on them uh, in pads. And then tomorrow night, um, I had originally a banger set up, was going to go to South Lake and Geyer. Um, and then uh, that game got canceled pretty early in the week. So uh, we are now set up to go to uh, Nolan Catholic and All Saints. Uh, Nolan Catholic home to Emeka Megua. So that's uh, who I'll be primarily going out to see, of course, All Saints. Um, the Brockermeyers are there. Uh, sorry to uh, if I bruised any feelings there or anything by saying those names. But uh, the, it'll, it should be a fun game. Like I said, was it the best slate of Friday night games uh, for us to choose from this week? But um, we'll make do. We'll get out there and, and see some games. So uh, that's what we've got on tap. We hope you're enjoying this week's episode of The State of Recruiting. We'll be back with the second half after a word from our sponsors. All right, Nick, um, before we jump into the picks, uh, where are we at records-wise? Um, all I know is you're four games up on me. <laughs> I haven't um, I haven't put our uh, complete records together, but I know you're four up. And we had one canceled last week, so and I actually have one in here that is also canceled this week. So we're actually just going to roll with five again this week. So it's going to take me a couple weeks to catch up probably. You might see me making some, oh. you know, risky picks just so i can you know gain a game here and there oh okay um all right uh go let's go ahead and jump right in then all right who are the games for this week first game arlington versus arlington martin arlington had a pretty good showing i believe it was in week one against uh, cedar hill um you know not many people expected them to hang with cedar hill and they almost had a chance to win at the end uh they're you're going up uh going up against a pretty good arlington martin team um we know all too well about them so uh, who do you got there this is a game where I think people are going to automatically pick Martin, and I wouldn't. Um, I think that, that Arlington is a really dangerous team. I think that uh, what they did against Cedar Hill is credible. I think that they're a very well-coached team. Um, Scott Peach over there is is a fantastic coach, um, and you know they've, they've always got athletes. Uh, 
I remember going to see Jahari Rogers and, and, and seeing like, oh, they got like five other guys who are kind of like Jahari Rogers on their team. Um, so, uh, you know, they've always got guys. That said, uh, Martin's rolling a little bit after that first week stumble. I'm, I'm going to lean Martin, but it wouldn't surprise me either way if, if, if Arlington pulled off the victory. But I'll go with Martin. Yeah, I'm going to take Arlington here. Um, I, I liked what they, uh, what they showed in week one against Cedar Hill, and they've played well since. Um, I believe Martin's been a little inconsistent. They've had some bad losses and some good wins. Um, so, uh, you know, I'm going to take, uh, I'm going to take my chances here and go with, go with Arlington. Um, uh, our second game of the week, um, actually kind of a, a low key banger. It's a Thursday night game out in Lufkin, um, between Longview and Beaumont Westbrook. It's a rematch of the 2018 division two, uh, state championship, uh, which I believe was 35, 34 or something like that. It was a really good game right before the North shore Duncanville classic that a lot of people forget about, but they're running it back in Lufkin tonight. Who you got? Okay. I'm going to say, um, I saw Longview week one. They looked really bad. Uh, they got beat by temple, but since that time, I mean, I feel like you're going to have the advantage in this pick them. Cause you saw them last week. You kind of know what they have. Ooh, it's tough to pick against a John King team, especially a pissed-off John King team, which appears that's what happened after the opening week loss. Uh, but, man, I and I, I don't really know what Westbrook has this year. I'm kind of blind on Westbrook. Man, I'm going to have to lean Longview just on the sense of not knowing what Westbrook has. Yeah, I from what I learned from Longview last, last week is they go as far as running back Caden Meredith goes. Um, you know, they were able to get him going early and often, uh, last week and they were able to, you know, jump out to an early big lead and, you know, ride that to victory. But, um, I, I think Westbrook is really, you know, they're, they're coming out for vengeance. Um, Bryce Anderson's doing a great job playing quarterback this year, playing both ways for Westbrook. So, uh, I'm going to take the Bruins. I think they get their redemption, uh, this week in Lufkin. He is, uh, he's, he's tough to stop. Um, I watched their game. I watched clips of their game last week, and he's he's nasty at quarterback, man. He is. He's a he's a big time playmaker. I, I'm excited to see what he can do. Uh, you know, at quarterback the rest of the year. Um, all right, our third game of the week: uh, North Shore and Manville. Um, I, I feel like this might be an easy pick for us, but um, both programs are are playing really well so far this year. Uh, in Texas high school football, you don't get rich picking against North Shore. I learned that week one when I picked Shadow Creek. Shadow Creek has killed me two weeks <laughs> this year. Um, North Shore, I'm going North Shore. Now I told you I had to make risky picks to gain to gain on the to gain in the standings here, but I'm taking North Shore as well. This is not a risky enough pick to make. Um, it is in Manville, um, so I, I think they have a little bit of an advantage there. You know, playing down in Galveston County, uh, but I'm going to take North Shore. Um, this next game is kind of a, a wild one that was put together just last week after a couple of cancellations. Um, Cedar Hill and Alito. I think this is really interesting. Who do you got here? This is a really interesting game. It's it's almost one of those games that's like hard to gauge, right? You look at it and you think these are two different classes. Obviously, one's a perennial state champion, one's a perennial state contender. Yeah, it's really it's a really tough game on its face. Um, I, again, I kind of lean on you don't get rich by picking against teams like Alito. I'm going to go a little outside the box, and I may afford you a little room here. I'm going to lean Cedar Hill. I'm going to pick Cedar Hill 
but I don't feel great about the pick. I, I was actually going to take Cedar Hill as well. Um, I, I like what they have on both sides of the ball. I think they're really proven. Uh, I think that's the that's the thing I take away from this game. Is Cedar Hill is more proven than what Alito has. Um, I, I think Alito is proven on defense, but on offense, I'm I'm still a little concerned. So I'm also going to take Cedar Hill here as well. Um, all right, and then our small school game of the week: uh, Jim Ned against Wall. Jim Ned, the former home of uh, one Colt McCoy, and you know viewers or listeners might know that name. And then uh, Wall, they have a pretty good offensive line led by Tate Williams. He's a he's a Baylor commit. Uh, they've been able to get some stuff done on offense this year. So who do you have here? Um, Wall's got. I, and I, I don't, again, Jim Ned's one of those teams I don't know a ton about. I don't know what they run. I haven't watched a ton. I know that they went down and beat Hallettsville a couple weeks ago and are top 10 in the state. But, man, Wall's one of those teams that just their offense, the way they run their offense, if you have a guy like Tate Williams up front, um, it's such a difference maker at that level. So I'm going to go with Wall in this one. Really now? I'm going to take Jim Ned. So there might be a chance for me to gain three games on you this week. I'm going to. I'm gonna really, I'm gonna really hope for that. <laughs> or you could go three more games. Down. Yeah, that that's the, uh, that's definitely the other side of it. All right. Well, uh, we'll continue to track those picks, and um, next week, I promise, next week we'll do. We gotta, we need to prioritize getting guy on the podcast next week, and and uh, guest picker, absolutely, guy Frazier. Okay, uh, let's jump right into the mailbag here. As always, get your mailbag questions in when we put them up at the Horns 24-7 message board. Um, all right, uh, we'll start with a five-star review from our iTunes feed. Uh, from BATX, he says, uh, when Texas losing to a wounded OU in the Red River show, uh, showdown for Texas' second loss in the Big 12 conference play, do you think Texas stands to gain or lose more in recruiting from a possible changing of the guard at the coaching staff? Also, could you guys do us a solid and silence your phones during recording? The message alerts are distracting. Uh, I'll address that first part, no, um, because it's not my phone. It's uh, it's actually the messenger on my computer, which I can't turn down or it would mute Nick and I can't hear him and then we can't do the show. Um, <laughs> so, uh, and then we get a lot of texts in our line of work. So, uh, sorry guys, but uh, we've tried to make the, I've at least my sounds are trying to be as, as, as least distracting as possible. Um, I think... Texas stands to gain in a in a in a coaching change. I think that this class was already showing Texas sliding a little bit. You know, I think Quinn Ewers, notwithstanding, and uh, what the twenty two class could be potentially, I think that that was all built on a potentially strong fall from this team. Um, where things are now, I just don't see uh, running it back with this crew having better. Uh, recruiting results, so I would say they stand to gain from a coaching change. The uh, the little text thing, I've gone back and listened to a couple of our podcasts, you know, throughout the time, throughout the years, or whatever. Um, and uh, every time that little uh, uh, text comes up, I look at my phone. I'm like, who who do I have a text from? So that's probably what he does. And so he's getting upset that you know he has to look at his phone because you're, you're making him do that, Mike. Well, that's not the – here's how selfish I am. That's not the text thing on my phone. So uh, my texts make a different sound on my phone, so it never distracts me. Look, oh, we'll try to do something about it. But like I said, it comes on my, my computer messenger more than anything. Uh, but about the coaching change, yeah, I think there's little that can be done um, with this current coaching staff uh, in helping with recruiting. 
Um, uh, we kind of talked about it before the show, and they would have to win out and win the Big 12 championship game for this year to even be you know, a slight success. And I kind of put that as my uh, answer for our question of the week this week on Horns 24-7, is unless they can somehow manage to do that and maybe get you know some sort of New Year's Six Bowl berth out of this terrible season that is uh, that we have so far, then you know I, I think the recruiting can only gain by you know a, a switch up top. Um, our first question from Hookem SD on the board uh, says, based on Quinn's start to the season, do you think uh, do you guys think he is performing well and living up to his number one player ranking? Um, yeah, you know I think that the people who are who have feedback on that ranking, as far as me and, and Gabe Brooks, our, our regional guy, Brian Peroni, a lot of the other in-state guys, we understand some of the dynamics around Quinn at this point, and that's that, A, he lost three-fifths of his offensive line from last year. B, their defense isn't playing as well, like nearly as well as they played last year. And C, he recently just lost Brady Boyd, who – is his top target and an FBS player in his own right. So um, he's working with a lot of uh, a lot of hurdles there, but for the most part, he's still putting up a lot of yards and, and touchdowns, and um, you know, still lighting it up offensively. I think, uh, yeah, he's doing everything as of right now. I mean, he's only played what they've only played two games, I think. So yeah. it, it's hard to say right now. But uh, Nick can speak more to that because he's seen him live twice uh, this year. Yeah, I've seen him twice this year. Saw him in a scrimmage format against DeSoto uh, before the season, and then obviously saw him last week against Rockwall. And, you know, when he's on, he's really special. And he makes special throws and special plays that you just don't see at the high school level. Um, I can tell his play style has kind of changed from last year. He doesn't run the ball as norm- as much as he did last year. So I-, I think he's been preached to, you know, stay in the pocket a little bit longer and try to find, you know, uh, some more options. Um, and I think last week that kind of caught up to them because uh, he-, he was getting sacked multiple times in the second half last week uh, against Rockwall, and then it forced him to throw some errant throws towards the end. He threw two interceptions in the fourth quarter. Um, so I-, I think once he gets accustomed to this new team that he has this year, he'll be just fine um but obviously from what i've seen whenever he's on he's doing fantastic stuff and you know just proving that he's the number one quarterback in the country our next question from horns fan 7612 mike and nick if you could draft a team uh, of all-time state of texas players who would you pick that probably deserves its own segment and is not something we could boil down real quick here um and i think we've done what did, didn't we do some sort of draft earlier this we year did a, we did a 2021 like recruit draft Oh, okay. Yeah, that may be something we have to come back to. Uh, I, I don't know that we could just off the top of our head run one off here real quick. Um, from JF10357, how many defensive tackles seem likely for the 2022 class? There seems to be a lot of offers out for that class. Uh, and with 2021 looking like they'll take either zero or one, it seems like a good idea to stock up. Yeah, I think that's probably you're looking at a two or three, uh, two or three takes in that class at, at defensive tackle. Um, and, and remember that this this uh, this staff likes um, defensive ends who are a little bigger. They like guys like Shamar Turner and, and Jordan Thomas probably as defensive tackles. So even if you see an offer out to a guy who's not listed as a defensive tackle, doesn't mean they don't they're not viewing those guys as, as tackles. I'm trying to think of 2022 guys that would be viewed as D-tackles. Throw some names out at me. Uh, right now, Bear Alexander is like one of the only in-state guys gotcha. um, I think they have out for there. Um, you know, they've got offers out to, uh, to to other like defensive ends and stuff, but I, I think that Bear right now would be the only true 
like guy that's classified as a defensive tackle as of right now. Uh, but yeah, it's definitely a need. Um, you know, so it, wh- whichever way they build it, I think that you know they obviously wanted to add Albert Regis and. Um, you know, I, they're, they're still in on Shamar Turner, who I think they see there uh, long term. So um, we'll, we'll see how this class finishes out. Um, all right. Our next question. Um, <laughs> are you curled up in the fetal position wishing that you didn't have to cover Texas recruiting? Uh, it feels that way sometimes. But I could tell you that even on our worst days, all we got to do is wake up and worry about football. And that's not a bad thing. So, um it feels that it certainly feels that way sometimes, and it sucks at this point in time. I know it's it's it sucks for you guys, and uh, trust it sucks for us too. So uh, understand that. Hey, I don't think there's a there's a bad job you can have in covering recruiting, even when it gets tough. You know, it is what it is. It is what it is. Yeah. There's people like I'll just like our our Arkansas guys. Obviously, Arkansas hasn't had the easiest path the last ten. 15 years Arkansas guys Trey Biddy and Danny West do the best job covering a team site out there I mean they're they're just in it 100% of the time and it makes me wonder like how do you not get constantly beaten down with this stuff but you know they, they do it so like I said there's a lot worse ways to, to earn money uh, from Hook'em Horns 87 uh, do you feel and get the sense uh, I'm sorry the, I gotta reread this do you feel and get the sense to more of these recruits for Texas are closer with their position coach for Texas than Tom Herman? Uh, if so, do you think that helps recruiting still going forward? So I, I guess you're asking, do I feel like some of the recruits are closer with the position coaches? Um, yeah, I mean, that's generally always how it goes. But any any um, look of instability is always going to make recruits look around. Um, especially, you know, I mean, nobody knows what's going to happen to the rest of the staff. That's where uh, the instability comes into play. So I think that, yeah, it could help because that they if some of those assistants were retained in a coaching change, but um, that's a big if. Yeah, um it would all just depend on if if there is a coaching change. It would all depend on you know if those position coaches are, um, you know if they stick around, which I guess is kind of like the the back meaning to this question here. Uh, but yeah, typically the position coaches are normally closer with recruits than uh, the head guy. I mean, a head coach will talk to a recruit, um, you know, here and there. Maybe you know if they're talking to a kid every day, then maybe the head coach will talk to him, you know, once a week. Or if they're doing like a virtual visit, or of course an on-campus visit, remember those. Um, then of course the <laughs> the head coach will be involved there. Um, but yeah, I, I it really doesn't help or not help recruiting going forward. I think there's a lot bigger issues on the field that you know this team has to address. All right. Um, our next question, HornsFan7612, is Texas where they want to be with Harold Perkins? Of course not. They want to have him committed by now. That's where they'd want to be with him, but they don't have him committed. I would say that, yeah, I mean, they're. I, I think they're in a good enough spot. I don't know that Harold's truly got a leader at this point, but, um, you know, it's all going to depend on this season. Again, a lot of that could change by the way this season happens, by who's hired next. All those sorts of things can come into play. I'm close with Harold. Harold is one of my guys. Um, I really like him as a as a kid and a, and a player in this 2022 class. And he's really had some just crazy, crazy 
tape that he's been putting on Twitter and Huddle uh, from his first few games. I'm, I'm really excited to see, you know, what the rankings committee decides to do with him whenever they cross that bridge. But as far as is, is Texas where they want to be with him, um, like you said, in a perfect world, he'd be committed. Um, but I, I think Texas is doing a good job, of, you know, keeping – Uh, keeping themselves in the front uh, of that race. I think SEC schools are really going to be tough to beat in that race. I think LSU is going to be tough to beat. Um, But, you know, obviously on-field performance will kind of trump everything. And um, 2022 class is kind of hard to project right now just with there there being so much uncertainty with, you know, what's going on in Austin right now. So it might be a better question in, like, January. Um, I will give you a spoiler. They will cross that bridge soon, and yes, he will rise very soon. Um, very he's good. absolutely a phenomenal player. Uh, from Hookham361, uh, does Jonathan Brooks have a better shot of earning his fourth star than LJ earning his fifth star? I think absolutely, and only because earning a fifth star is very difficult. I think LJ is like, – I think we kind of know what LJ is, and I'm not sure how much more room for ascending he has, but I, I think Brooks does have a little room to go up to four stars if, if possible. Yeah, I agree. I like this question. Uh, I saw Jonathan Brooks earlier in the year, and I, I believe I said on the podcast how I'm officially on the bandwagon of Jonathan Brooks. I think he's, I think he's fantastic, and I think he's very, very much deserving of that fourth star. And as far as LJ, yeah, he's kind of hit his high school ceiling. Um, you know, he is right at that you know high tier four star, um, five star range. I think he's like in the 40s to 50s in rankings, but I think he would have to put up some crazy numbers. Um, and have a pretty good showing in some sort of All-American game. I don't know which one he's committed to. I believe he's committed to the Under Armour one, but I think he would have to have uh, you know those two things happen for you know him to get that fifth star. From Earl Thomas 12, does the 2022 DB class have the potential to be better than the 2018 class? Uh, from a prospect standpoint, I'm not sure. Um, I think the prospects, I think, in that class were better. But, uh, you know, we've seen that 2018 class play out a little bit, and it hasn't been as good as advertised. I do think 2022 has got some really strong potential. And I think 2022 as a whole, just a whole class in state, has, has potential to be as good of a class as there's been in years. Yeah, the in-state class in 2022, we've had tons of discussions about that, just about you know how deep it is in almost every position. Um, but, however, I think the 2018 DB class was much stronger in-state. Um, but with Texas kind of looking at some national guys like, uh, you know, Damani Jackson at Modern Day or Kamari Wilson at IMG, you know, or Jaden Gold out in New Jersey, I, I believe that they can land, you know, a couple of those big time DBs from, you know, outside of Texas, it could definitely be more special than, you know, the 2018 class that they hauled in. All right. Our next question um, is from Hook'em 777. Is Texas looking at taking a kicker in this class? Saw McFadden from Southlake committed to Connecticut back in August. If not, do you think they may look at the 22 kicker out of Stephenville? Um, I, you know, I thought they may take a kicker, and I thought if they were going to, it would probably have been Joe McFadden from Southlake. You know, he did tell me earlier in the year that Jay Ballware was in touch with him. Um, but it's hard to take a kicker in the same year you take a punter just because you're committing two numbers in a class to uh, special teams guys. So I think it looks like they're they're probably going to lean towards maybe push into 22, which they're going to have to because Dicker's what – Dick will be a senior next year. Um, so, yeah, they're going to have to. I think uh, they'll look at anybody that's a good option. The, the 22 kicker out of Stephenville, uh, Aiden Burr, the kid from Kennedale, I think will be an option for him as well. So um, keep an eye on those names for sure. You know, this is kind of something I thought about um, about a week ago uh, regarding Dicker. Um, I think we're going to see a lot of specialists, you know, kickers and punters, 
stick around for that, you know, extra year of eligibility that they have just because good kickers and punters are so hard to come by. And unless you're in the top three or four in the nation, you're probably not going to get into the NFL. So I, I think it's a very good possibility that Dicker sticks around, sticks around for, you know, even the 22 season. Um, I, I think that's just something to keep a, keep in your mind. Um, so I, I think it was definitely a, you know, a wise decision to not take a kicker in 21. All right, our next question um, from Howie, 4514. Over or under on 5D commits if Herman is fired? It's so hard to say without knowing who would be replacing him and, and how it would be done. Um, that said, any time a, a coaching change goes down, I'd probably bet the over on decommits. This is a tricky question because it's such a hypothetical, but it's really not. <laughs> um, I don't believe that uh, – Herman would be fired unless there was a clear upgrade replacement waiting to be hired, you know, in the days after. So if that was a quick transition period and they got in, you know, a big name, I'm not going to say who, but I'm sure we all have the same name in mind. Um, if they were able to make that quick transition and make it smooth as possible, I would take the under. Um, but if it if it's, you know, kind of a, an ugly transition, then I would take the over for sure. It all depends on that transition period. Yeah, um, from OB James twenty three. Overall, how's Texas doing in the twenty twenty two class, and how's it looking on that front? Uh, even there, I think you know it's not quite as bad as twenty one, but still pretty neutral at this point. Um, they're not going to have a lot of forward momentum on anything right now. Uh, it sucks too that the the bye week came up after this because it's like another week that you don't get to play and erase kind of the the memory of those losses. So uh, yeah, I, I don't think there's bad off in twenty two, but there's nothing really moving forward there right now. Yeah, I think the potential is still there, but it it just all depends on you know where this program stands in like January or February, because um, of course we have a lot more time with this twenty twenty two class and. I imagine that, you know, kids in 22 will be able to take visits at some point. Um, so I, I think there's a lot of time left. And, you know, depending on where this program is in January kind of depends on what the 22 class kind of shapes out to be. Uh, and Young Hookham asks, can you talk about Hayden Connor and how you think uh, he will develop in the college game? There's a lot of people who are down on Hayden Connor. He's a guy that rose early, and when you rise early, there's always the chance that people are going to see your warts earlier than not, and that's kind of what happened with Hayden. Um, I'm not in that boat. I think that while he may not be the superstar we thought he might be as a freshman or sophomore, I think he's a solid guy. It's all going to depend on how he uh, keeps his weight and, and his body and everything, but um, you know, I think at this point uh, with Hayden, I could see him. He really reminds me of like a Mason Walters type of guy. There's an old Longhorn name for you. Uh, a guy that I think at his ceiling, if he reaches it, he's a couple year reliable starter at right tackle or guard. And, uh, you know, really intelligent kid. I, I don't think he's going to be a superstar, but I think he, you can win games with guys like Caden Connor. Yeah, I think he's going to be a program type guy. I think he's going to get in um, obviously early. He's going to early enroll and really learn the system. And he's he's one of the smartest kids I've ever you know talked to. I I know I've made a joke on the podcast that you know sometimes when I uh, when I talk to him I feel like he's more mature than even us. Sometimes uh, he, he's a great kid, and so I think he's going to get in, really le- absorb the system and learn it. And uh, I would definitely bet on Hayden Connor having a good college career. But um, you know, as far as uh, you know where he goes after that. I, I think it's kind of hard to tell from from right now. Our last question, as always, comes from Charles Daniels. He asks, "Mike, hypothetical Hall of Fame. Uh, this is only based on recruiting. Pick a quarterback coach, running back coach, and wide receiver coach as the first three inductees." 
I'm going to just kind of focus on my time in recruiting because I don't know how guys did before that. Um, I th- if I had to go with a running back coach, I'm going to go with Del McGee from Georgia, uh, who seems to get anybody he wants. Quarterback coach, I'm going to go with – it's hard to uh, – it's hard to argue with our old friend Tim Beck um, in this spot. Uh, I think I might have to go with Tim Beck. Wide receiver coach. I feel like this should be easy, wide receiver coach. I'm not going to go with Emmett. No. Um, who do you feel should be easy? Brian Hartline. Brian Hartline is definitely on his way. I don't think that he's done enough yet. Like Now, he's he's signed two monster classes, but it's just two classes. Check back in ten years, and yeah, Brian 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 Hartline's probably there, but I, I don't think I can name him as of yet. Um, uh, how about T. Martin? Okay. T. Martin was offensive coordinator and wide receiver coach for a time, and one of the best recruiters in the in the country. Um, and then Nick, who wins in this recruiting versus? Also, please inform Mike what versus is. I know what versus is. Uh, Charles, thanks, <laughs> thanks quite a bit. Um, I'm not sure if he knows uh, Cliff Kingsbury versus Tom Herman. Uh, Tom Herman. I mean, Tom Herman's recruited way better than Cliff Kingsbury. Am I getting this wrong? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Like, uh, I mean, I, I get verses. It's like uh, it's two artists playing their songs against each other in a battle. But like, if you're looking at recruiting, I mean, that's pretty. We've codified that. Is, is he, if you're kind of saying that, you know, they hop on verses and they start like rapping against each other, then I'd take Kingsbury. He's way more hip. But he said a recruiting versus. Oh, it was a recruiting versus? Oh, okay, then yeah. I, I would who, probably have to take Herman. Who wins this recruiting versus? Unless it's, I mean, it, it may be he's saying, yeah, if they're actually doing battle um, on musically. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, though, man. Uh, Tom grew up listening to all that hip-hop in, in, in L.A. in the 90s and stuff. I'll take Kingsbury. <laughs> You remember that one time that um, right after Herman got hired, he tweeted about how excited he was for Migos to come through Austin to teach him about culture? <laughs> I don't remember that. That's that's a great oh, time yeah. in history, though. It's a great tweet. <laughs> All right, that's going to do it for the mailbag. Uh, thank you guys for getting those in. Nick, anything else before we get out of here? No. Any basketball news to know? You know, basketball's kind of hit a, a standstill as well. I think that's just based on um you know people waiting for the season which is uh i believe 42 days away but who's counting um i'm excited to see what the the basketball team can do this season and i think if they have a really good start they have some pretty deep opponents some pretty solid opponents early in the season if they can uh if they can win some big time games then you know we might be in in the in the in the mix for some big time recruitments all right we'll uh, keep it here and i'll let nick talk about basketball recruiting as often as he has news for it so uh We'll get to that then. Um, We appreciate everybody for listening. We appreciate you guys for contributing to the show. Please tell your friends about it. Please uh, like, subscribe, re-rate, and review, all those good things. For Nick Harris, I'm Mike Roach. We'll see you guys next week. 